Hello, and welcome to the Way of Oneness podcast, a monthly American Buddhist podcast that shares Dharma teachings and insights by Christopher Kakuyo Sensei, a Breton lay minister and a sensei of the independent Salt Lake and Utah Buddhist fellowships. Kakuyo Sensei shares the goal of his teachers, Guillaume and Koyokubose Senseis, in sharing a unique form of American Buddhism called the Way of Oneness. Here is where Buddhism and the everyday meet. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Way of Oneness podcast. And today's podcast, the title of today's podcast, is The Grace of Parents and Other People. Now, this is a continuation of the conversation we've been having um, for the past few Sundays at our fellowship here in Salt Lake. And the talks have been based on this idea from Desan, who is a master teacher, uh, Dharma heir, in the Wan Buddhism tradition, a Korean form of Buddhism. And the quote is this, quote, There is a reason why we have two eyes. One is for looking inward and observing our mind, and the other is for looking outward and finding grace, end quote. In some ways, these simple lines are a lot of what we are doing in our fellowship every uh, Sunday, every time we meet. And I want to pick up from, <clears throat> excuse me, where we left off last week and uh, put today's talk into context for those who may have not heard the other podcasts. Now, again, we I want to share with you the four graces of Wan Buddhism. And again, they are as follows. Quote, the first is the grace of heaven and earth, or of the universe and nature. The second is the grace of our parents, who gave birth to us and nurtured us, but not only our biological parents, but our parents in the sense of all the people in our lives who have educated us and helped us survive and nurtured us. The third is the grace of fellow beings, because without them, how would we be able to do anything at all? And the fourth and last is the grace of the law, which means the laws of the Dharma as well as secular laws. End quote. Last week, we talked about the first grace um, and some about the third grace. We talked about the grace of heaven and earth, the universe and nature. And this week, we're going to look at the second grace, that of our parents that gave birth to us and nurtured us also to our other parents, teachers, grandparents, uncles, mentors, etc. And briefly, I want to mention again the third grace and that of other people, which in itself could be its own uh, additional podcast, and I may do that at another time. Okay, so now we're going to look at the grace of our parents. The grace of our parents. And and I know for some of the, for some of you, this may be, a difficult one. It can be hard. Uh, also, depending on what kind of family you were raised in, what the situation was. Uh, I have noticed that a lot of people who find Buddhism uh, come from a hard background. And it may be one of the reasons why we, we are looking for answers and looking for the Dharma itself is because of um, early childhood trauma or just difficult time growing up, and it sets us on our path early. 
And it's kind of interesting doing this talk because if you would have asked me if I was grateful for my parents, let's say 10 years ago, I would have looked like a deer caught in the headlight just by the question. And I know this can be one of the hardest. And I think that's why. I think that's why in Nikon reflection, which we talked about last time, uh, Nikon being inward reflection, uh, Japanese psychology, um, the practice of Nikon begins with our mother's first, our first real intimate relationship, and then moves to our father's second and our siblings' third, etc. So much of the stories that we carry and retell ourselves on a daily basis, those that create our reality, many of those come from that time of our lives. As I've gotten older, I've been able to look back with much more compassion for my parents, their parents, and even the deep wounding that we've shared. Working with gratitude towards even problematic parents can go a long way towards healing and awakening to our inherent oneness. For those who have suffered at the hands of your parents, much loving kindness to you and your journey. This practice is not to diminish or ignore that great suffering. For the parent that wounded us, we can be grateful for one thing, uh, regardless of what kind of parent they were, and that's human life itself. When we talk about the grace of our biological parents, the first thing we're talking about from a Buddhist perspective is giving us human life. The Buddha taught us that having a life is a precious and rare thing. There's a classic story about the rarity of this rarity in the Pali Canon, the ancient text recording his teachings. And, and, and here's the story, or here's the account. The Buddha was speaking to a group of monks. He said, Monks, suppose that this great earth were covered with water, and a man were to toss a yoke with a single hole into the water. A wind from the west would push it east. A wind from the east would push it west. A wind from the north would push it south. A wind from the south would push it north. And suppose a blind sea turtle were there. It would come to the surface only once every one hundred years. Now what do you suppose the chance would be that a blind turtle, coming once to the surface every one hundred years, would stick his neck into the yoke with a single hole? And the monks answered, it would be very unusual, sir, that a blind turtle coming to the surface once every hundred years would stick his neck into the yoke. And the Buddha replied, And just so, it is very, very rare that one attains the human state. This first grace is our very existence. I mean, if you think of it, and we've talked about this before, what a miracle it is that you even exist. Your parents and their parents and on and on in all of our generations. This is a profound gift. And for those who are more secular-minded, one that is utterly unmerited. That is the first grace of our parents. That they gave us a physical body. How many of us have ever said thank you for that? I've never done that before, though I've done the opposite many times. 
complaining to them about my looks, my height, not tall enough, my weight, not thin enough, my nose, my mother's, my teeth, my father's, and our family's propensity to heart disease. Thanks a lot. To acknowledge the grace of my body, the gift of my body that my parents gave me, I can thank my body, thank the body given to us by all of our ancestors. Bodhipopska, a Theravadan teacher, suggests that we cultivate gratitude for our bodies. He teaches that we can notice that our bodies are whole and basically functioning, that our heart is beating. We can say out loud, thank you. We notice our breath, our lungs are breathing in air. Thank you. But what about when we're not feeling well? Yes, even if there is an illness present, he teaches that we can know that our bodies have the resources to heal itself. And we can say to our bodies, thank you. Even if a part of our bodies are in pain, he says that we can focus on the fact that it's still functioning. If it's our back that hurts, we can remind ourselves that our backs are basically functioning well and keeping me mostly upright, allowing me to move around and protecting the spinal cord. So I say, thank you. Something to think about. Now, we want to continue looking outward, as Desan says, looking outward and finding grace. Before we can cultivate a greater gratitude for our parents, I think it helps if we can look at our parents from a broader perspective. During our retreat last year, and again this year, we will be practicing the five earth touchings as taught by Thich Nhat Hanh. Some of the words in the practice are these. Quote, In gratitude, I bow to all generations of ancestors in my blood family. I see my father and mother, whose blood, flesh, and vitality are circulating in my own veins and nourishing every cell in me. Through them, I see my four grandparents. Their expectations, experiences, and wisdom have been transmitted by so many generations of ancestors. I carry in me the life, blood, experience, wisdom, happiness, and sorrow of all generations. The suffering and all the elements that need to be transformed, I am practicing to transform. I open my heart, flesh, and bones to receive the energy of insight, love, and experience transmitted to me by all my ancestors. I see my roots in my father, mother, grandfathers, grandmothers, and all my ancestors. I know I am only the continuation of this ancestral lineage. Please support, protect, and transmit to me your energy. End quote. I appreciate that he acknowledges the reality of many of our familial experiences, especially when he says, I carry in me the sorrow of all my generations. I wish that I could have been farther along in my personal practice when my mother was alive. To sit with her. To really sit with her. Not as my mother. Not as my mother's son, even. But sit with her 
as she was, that 15-year-old girl, afraid of falling asleep alone, that first night in the Catholic Reform School for Girls. For me, this kind of practice connects me to my larger family, my ancestral family. It reminds me that my father is in me and I am in him, the skillful and unskillful parts of him. My mother, though she may be dead, is alive in me today. For my mother and I, reconciliation was not possible in life, but that does not stop with her being dead. We are reconciling a little more each day because she's alive in me right now and in many ways speaks to you through me. I love this prayer that Thich Nhat Hanh has written along this same line. Quote, I am aware that my father is fully present in every cell of my body. I invite my father to breathe in with me, breathe out with me. I would like to invite my father to sit with my back. This is my back, but it is also his back. Father and son, father and daughter, breathing together. Breathing in, I feel so light. Breathing out, I feel so free. Daddy, do you feel as light as I do? Do you feel as free as I do? I know that my mother is fully present in every cell of my body. I invite my mother to breathe with my lungs, to sit with my back. This is my back, but it is also hers. Mother and son breathing in together. Mother and son breathing in together. Mother and daughter breathing in together. Mother and son breathing out together. Mother and daughter breathing out together. Breathing in, I feel so light. Mother, do you feel as light as I do? Breathing out, I feel so free. Mother, do you feel as free as I do? End quote. The first step in Nikon reflection, the practitioner lists everything that his or her mother ever did for him or her. At first, this can be really challenging because, as one practitioner related, my mother never gave me anything. She was a drunk. She was drunk all the time. Or like I did with my father, anything he gave me I discounted because he only did it because he felt guilty. In Nikon Reflection, Motivation is not considered. Our story of our parents, or the why for anything that was given, is disregarded. It was given. As simple as making me breakfast, washing my clothes, etc. Even a drunk mother can fix a bowl of cereal or hold you when you're sad and sick. In Nikon Reflection, This counts. This is where Nikon reflection is different. I found that there's such a thing as gratitude theory 
in philosophy and psychology. And in that, motivation tends to be very important, but not an icon. And in this stripping away of motivation is very essential in the process because ultimately motivation is at best a secondhand memory, a secondhand narrative that we've constructed. It's hard to realize that memory is powerful and resonant, and yet at the same time, it is not a videotape documentary playback of our lives. We then move into the other two questions of Nikon to put things in perspective. When we look at what we've returned and the problems we've caused the other, let's say our mother or our fathers, we become freed of our one-sided and often inaccurate narrative. Gratitude is born out of the realization of how much is given. Up until now, we've not been able to see the abundance. The small, egoic self's constant craving and its relentless state of perceived scarcity can finally be permeated by the reality of so much grace, by a new understanding of this oneness of life. This is only magnified when we realize that a similar grace is around us because of the many others that support us also. In our previous Dharma talk, in our earlier podcast, we discussed the third grace, the grace of other people. Last time I shared these lines from Gyome Kabose Sensei, where he says, quote, We do not understand that we are literally able to live and enjoy life only because of other people and things. If one really understands this truth, he cannot help but become humble and appreciative of others. End quote. And last time I shared these lines from Ryuchi Fuji. Quote, The universe is a harmonious activity of all things. Nothing can be without all others. All is one and one in all. Everything, no matter how small it may be, is as real as everything else. The ultimate goal of each being is to realize the meaning of the oneness of all things, thus identifying self with all others. End quote. May we see all one another in the one and see the grace that attends us, the gifts that abound from the earth, from our parents, and from our fellow beings. Next week, we celebrate Dharma Day. Officially, it's on Friday, but we'll celebrate it as a fellowship, as a Sangha on Sunday. It is a celebration of the teachings, the insight of the Buddha first being shared in the world. How appropriate it is that the last of the four graces is the grace of the Dharma, and we'll be able to talk about that in our next podcast. Thank you for listening. And Namu Amida Butsu. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. To read more of Kakuyu Sensei's thoughts, you can go to wayofoneness.org or to learn more about the Utah Buddhist Fellowships, 
please go to utahbuddhistfellowship.org. Until next time.